In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The ten lepers, only one of whom came back to the Lord after being healed, remind us of the need to be grateful, to give thanks and honor. There's one particular detail that I want to add to your consideration of this holy scene. When the one came back with a loud voice glorifying God, he fell on his face before our Lord's feet and giving thanks. Our Lord answered, were not ten made clean, and where are the nine? There is no one found to return and give glory to God but this stranger. These Samaritans weren't guilty simply for not giving thanks. They're being made an example of those who do not recognize when God acts in the world. And those who do not recognize those through whom God acts in the world. Our Lord's divinity is not yet manifested to these aliens. And the one who came back first is glorifying God, acknowledging that it's the God of heaven who acted through all of these events. Through our Lord sending him to the priests and the priests doing, doing their sacred rituals. He came back with a loud voice glorifying God. Now, we know after the fact, he was glorifying our Lord. Not yet knowing that he is God. And he fell on his face before our Lord's feet, giving thanks. He glorified God, who is the author of all of this. He gave thanks to the one through whom it came to pass. He had the insight, the wisdom, the humility to acknowledge that God had done all this. In contrast, as you've probably heard it before, is the person who's driving around looking for a parking spot and begins the holy prayer for finding parking spots. And then all of a sudden says, oh, don't worry, I just found one. The beauty of our Lord's humility shows itself when he, trying to bring souls to God the Father, allowing his divinity to be obscured still longer, wants to make sure that we know that God acts through us. 
that God acts through the church. The other nine may very well have been entirely grateful. We don't know to what they attributed uh, their healing. Perhaps crediting themselves for having gone to such great lengths to find a cure. Perhaps growing attached to that particular priest who did that sacred ritual with success. Or perhaps just thinking that it happened randomly. Even though it doesn't sound like a topic fit for meditation, I encourage you to think for a moment about secondary causes. How our, our role in the world... Our place in each other's lives. And the beautiful subtlety of the beautiful subtlety of God is shown when He is willing to work through secondary causes. He is the author of everything, but isn't always manipulating everything like a puppet on a string. He works through you, through your freedom, through your virtue, through your wisdom. It's he who accomplishes everything. And you, we who are the the privileged instruments, ministers, servants. Consider the alternative. We're so accustomed to this way of thinking, it's hard to think of the alternative. That we are mere ants, or worse... That God determines everything directly. There are no patterns. There are no laws. There's merely the power and force of God. We are mere pawns who are simply subject to the whims of the divine. And as a result, we would vacillate between considering ourselves or others absolutely wretched and deserving of the worst treatment or somehow mystically configured creatures who are as though angels who perfectly manifest the glory of the Creator with nothing in between, with no acknowledgement of the fact that God works through sinful people. That God loves us. One brief passage of the catechism in reflecting on the Psalms expresses how we see the Holy Spirit, the principal author of sacred scripture, often attributing actions to God without mentioning any secondary causes. This is not a a primitive mode of speech, but a profound way of recalling God's primacy and absolute lordship over history and the world. And so of educating his people to trust in him. The prayer of the Psalms is the great school of this trust.
as beneficiaries of the one true faith. At times we we need to be reminded of the humility of God to work through us. And at times we need to be reminded of his sovereignty, of his absolute lordship over history. And so then our prayers turn to the Lord in the church, not just in the sanctuary, but as the body of Christ, we turn to him and we ask him, why do some things happen in his church? And instead of looking up to him as though he is directly responsible for everything, we acknowledge him as the Lord and sovereign king who waits to pluck the weeds at times or who unbinds the devil to allow for the good souls to grow in merit. And we weep with him as he wept over the sins of Jerusalem. And we comfort him, not blame him. Maybe you can close your eyes and see the call of St. Matthew by Caravaggio. Where the, the would-be apostle is either the old figure haplessly pointing to himself or the the younger figure who seems to be totally oblivious and caught up in his coins. And our Lord's outstretched hand, strong and authoritative, is mirrored by St. Peter, whose arm is bent a little bit, a little shorter. His finger droops down just a tad. So that Christ calls through the church. He acts through the church. But he is the Lord and the guide and the king. So we we beg him then to make us not only simply grateful and thankful for every good thing that happens, generous with all the gifts bestowed upon us, but that we glorify him and acknowledge that he works through imperfect ministers, servants, instruments, and that he includes us among them. So we beg that his good work, his will, may not be obscured by our, our sinfulness, and that his glory may not be dimmed by our lack of virtue, but that we might be made not into angels, but into saints. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.